Does pride come before the fall? Here's Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth. The fall of the king of Tyre was due to pride. The origin of evil came through pride, and the fall of Lucifer was due to pride. Should we be careful of pride? <laughs> Are Christians exempt from pride? Oh, no. You got to put on the mind of Christ. You've got to walk humble. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Early on, we're taught that pride can be a good thing. Pride in our school, in our work, in our family. But what happens when pride crosses the line and turns into a self-promoting arrogance? And that's the kind of pride that lifts its ugly hand against God and reaps the consequences that follow. Let's join Pastor Xavier in the book of Ezekiel and learn from today's important simple truth study, O Lucifer, you deceiver. Ezekiel chapter 28, the judgment of the king of Tyre is described for us in these three events. Uh, first, you have the fall of the king of Tyre, verse 1 through 10. Secondly, the origin of evil that really is behind Tyre, verses 11 down to the first part of 15. And then you have the fall of Satan, the remainder of 15 down to 19. The king of Tyre fell because of pride. It was due to pride. Verse 1 and 2 gives us this. God told Ezekiel to reveal his knowledge of the prideful heart of the king. Son of man, frail human man, like any other Ezekiel, say to the prince of Tyre, thus saith the Lord God, because your heart is lifted up. Look at verse 3 through 5. The king of Tyre proclaimed his great boasting. And God spoke to him in mocking his very words. Behold, you are wiser than Daniel. He compared himself to Daniel in his arrogance. Daniel had already been uh, known very prominent by the wisdom that God had given to him in the palace. And this man compares himself. He's ungodly and all that. He compares himself to a godly man that is being directed by God. Verse 4 and 5, God reveals that his wisdom is no wisdom at all, but foolishness that led to his destruction. God said his business knowledge made him richer, and his wealth puffed up his head. By your great wisdom and trade, you have increased your riches, and your heart is lifted up because of your riches. The king of Tyre would be judged by God. Look at verse 6 through 10. The indictment of the king was for impersonating God. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, because you have set your heart as the heart of a God. He's deified himself. Behold, therefore, I will bring strangers against you. God will use the fearful nation. Notice that in verse 7. To humble him, the most terrible of nations, and they shall draw their swords against the beauty of your wisdom and defile your splendor. Instant, all of a sudden, boom, gone. As you know, God used Babylon through Nebuchadnezzar for 13 years to seize the city. We saw that in the previous study. That great prophecy of Tyre. Yet, he took no spoil because for 13 years they were taking all the luxury and all the valuable and all the wealth out to the island city a half mile out. So when he took it, he had nothing. But 241 years later, he brought Alexander the Great 
And he took all the stones as we saw, all the timber, scraped the location of the city like the top of a rock, took all the dust and threw it into the ocean, and he made a causeway out and destroyed the city of Tyre, which has never been built in the same location to this day. Look at verse 9 and 10. The reality that he was a mere man would become evident at his destruction. Notice God again mocks the king. Will you still say before him who slays you, I am a God? But you shall be a man and not a God in the hand of him who slays you. The fall of the king of Tyre was due to what? Pride. Pride. Notice secondly now, beginning verse 11, down to the first part of 15. Here we have the origin of evil. The content now that follows reveals immediately that though the material is addressed still to the earthly king of Tyre as a lamentation, the majority of the content cannot apply to him. This is like a twofold prophecy, short term, long term. King of Tyre, the source of the evil behind him. You can't apply it any other way. And so I believe that this is the revelation focusing on the source of pride and the evil behind the king of Tyre, describing the fall of Lucifer. The parallels cannot be missed. Verse 1, verse 2, verse 5, verse 17. Pride, pride, pride. That's the heart of it. Now, notice from verse 12, we're on the end there, Lucifer was the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thus saith the Lord God, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Lucifer was one of a kind and above kind, none like him, the highest angel, if you will. He was the example of perfection. The word there means measurement, pattern, or portion. He was ideal, but not sinless. He was full of wisdom, meaning the fullness, the first one of the angels. In other words, he knew more and the most of all. He was number one. He was perfect in beauty. He was an incredible creation. Now notice Lucifer was the anointed cherub. A cherub, as you know, is an angelic being, an order that's described to us in Scripture. Uh, we've seen their seraphims, cherubims, archangels, and regular angels. Colossians 1.16 says that God created all the angels, principalities about all of them. There are only three places in the scriptures where we have actual conversations of Satan. And they teach us some very important things. Three conversations we have in scripture of Satan, only three. The first one, as you know, is found in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. This first conversation is where Satan slanders God to man. That's his first approach. He slanders God to man by questioning God's word to stir up doubt. Genesis 3.10, he says, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? He slanders God. He slanders God to man by saying God lies to bring about mistrust of God. You will not surely die, he says in verse 4. Mm. He slanders God to man by stating that God is trying to keep us from what is good for us, beneficial for us. He's a killjoy. He does this to cause rebellion and disobedience. For God knows the day that you eat, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. 
verse 5. Whoa. You can call your own shots. Captain of your own ship. The only problem is your ship's going down. So the first conversation, Satan slanders God. That's what we learn. The second one we find in book of Job, chapter 1 and 2. And there we find that Satan slanders man to God. He reverses it. In chapter 1, they're the first um, audience of the angels before God, Satan and his angels and the rest of the angels. He slanders Job before God, saying that he was faithful only because God uh, had protected him and hedged him about. Uh, His whole household prospered him. Uh, Yet Job maintained his integrity as chapter 1 continues, and, and he did not curse God. He lost his house, his children, everything. Then he slandered Job before God as a second time, saying that Job's health, if it was removed, he would curse God in chapter 2, verse 4 and 6. And so Satan was allowed to touch him. And um, Job maintained his integrity, verse 7 and 10 tells us. In fact, one time Job said down the book, he says, even though you slay me, yet will I trust in you. I esteem God's word more than my daily substance. So, Satan slanders God to man first. Then Satan slanders man to God. He hits both ends. And the third conversation is found in the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. One of the passages is Luke chapter 4, verse 1 through 13. And as you know, he tried to tempt Jesus to satisfy his physical hunger for strength rather than drawing strength from the word of God. Uh, And Jesus uh, did not allow that. Uh, he didn't allow to turn the stones into bread. He says, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He tried to tempt Jesus to worship him if he give him all the kingdoms, but Jesus rejected that. He did not. And he tried to tempt Jesus to tempt God by throwing himself off the pinnacle. But Jesus said, you should not tempt the Lord your God, even though he misquoted scripture that the angels would bear him up. <laughs> So you have the slander of God to man, the slander of man to God, and then the slander of the word of God to turn you from the word of God. Jesus used the word of God over and over and over again. Tempting. The the origin of evil came through pride. It hadn't come through Lucifer, but pride is the heart of this in this chapter. A very danger. It destroys people. We're afraid. We regret. We don't want to. We will not say, I'm sorry I was wrong. We will not forgive because after all, who does he think I am? You take it. We thought you were just a sinner. Like him. Oh. Notice lastly, the fall of Lucifer is given to us in verses 15, the second half on down to 19. First, Satan's sin was from within, being a free moral agent, as we've implied. But now I'm going to give you some text here. And I'm going to pick individual ones from 15 on down to 18. In verse 15, first of all, till iniquity was found, listen, in you. Underline that. The iniquity was in him. Therefore, he has a free will and responsible for the choices and actions he makes. Verse 16, the beginning. By the abundance of his of his tradings, of your trading, you became filled with violence within. 
and you sin. The word trading means merchandise or traffic. Perhaps in reference to Lucifer's uh, divisive rebellion, slandering and accusing God in heaven to the other angels. We're not sure. In 17, the beginning, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. His beauty corrupted Lucifer's wisdom for the purpose of his own splendor, meaning brightness. Number two was not sufficient. You understand? You know anything about that? <laughs> Lucifer was not satisfied with being top angel and second to God. Verse 18, the beginning. You defile your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of your tradings. Now, he keeps repeating this. Pay attention to it. This again could possibly refer to Lucifer's rebellion with false accusations and slander of God to all the other angels. Devil means false accuser. Slander, as you know. Jesus saw Satan falling like lightning from heaven in Luke 10, 18. As the disciples came back and they rejoiced, the demons subjected themselves to them. And Jesus said, don't rejoice over that. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Pride. Ooh. Lucifer is said to have led a third of the angels. He drew him with his tail, Revelation 12, 4. A third. Satan's rebellion was against God. Lucifer's five I wills are found in Isaiah 14, 12 through 14, where he threatens God. Again, Lucifer means literally light bearer, remember? And pride was his fall. And um, Paul confirms that this is one of the reasons why we have to be careful how we deal with things in the church. 1 Timothy 3, 6 says, uh, Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation of the devil. I'm going to give you a parallel of Isaiah's passage, and just listen to it, and I'll give them to you, because to flip back and forth would be confusing. And we're going to parallel them to the saints here of Ezekiel. And I'll give you Ezekiel's, and you'll see how they parallel. Satan said he would take over heaven. Isaiah 14, 13, the first one says, I will ascend into heaven. Look at Ezekiel 28, 16, about halfway down. I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God. Well, that's the response of God. The second one in Isaiah 14, 13 says, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Here's God's response, Ezekiel 28, 16. I will destroy you, a covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Isaiah 14, 13, the third one, I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. Ezekiel 28, 17, I cast you to the ground. Whoa. The fourth one, Satan said he would live in the abode of God. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud, Isaiah 14, 14. Ezekiel's response here, 28, 17, I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. And then Satan would be God, he said. Isaiah 14, 14, I will be like the most high Ezekiel's response here, 28, 18, I brought fire from your midst. It devoured you. Satan would be destroyed by God. Isaiah 14, 15 says, Yet you shall be brought down to the depths of the pit, which is Sheol, again. The sixth of Ezekiel, 
is in 18, the last portion. I turned you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all who saw you. Jesus did not argue or deny that Satan had the kingdoms of the world when he offered to them. He just didn't take them. He has deceived the nations. In 19, God's declaration regarding the king of Tyre as a first fulfillment, but certainly Lucifer here in the context in ultimate fulfillment. It says there, all who knew you among the peoples are astonished at you, the nations. You have become a horror and shall be no more forever. The nations that knew the king of Tyre's pride and fame were awestruck at the destruction to never be risen again. And the same with Lucifer. He will never rise up to what he was because of that rebellion. Martin Luther said the devil is the ape of God. <laughs> he only does what God allows him. He cannot go beyond the boundaries. Please know that. Satan's not the opposite or counter of God, as we said. He's not uh, all-powerful. He's not all-knowing. He's not all-present. He's a created being, an angel. He needs permission from God. Job chapter 1 and 2, we've seen that. He was rebuked by God in Zechariah 3, 1. He was not allowed to take the body of Moses. Michael rebuked him in Jude 9. And Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it in Matthew 16, 18. Peter tells us that he is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But then he says, resist him steadfastly in the faith knowing that the same sufferings are experienced in your brotherhood in the world. 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9. It's a real warfare. He's a real person, and he takes no prisoners. Hmm. Satan is called the god of this age, as you know, in 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Satan and his activities constantly oppose the gospel. That in my blind the eyes of man from that gospel. He picks up the seed from the heart. Matthew 13, 19, the sower, the parable, the seed on the wayside, and the birds combine, snatch it. The word is harpasal, the same as the rapture, suddenly, violently snatching it, taking it from the earth to the heaven. Jesus called Satan the prince and the ruler of this world on three occasions, in John 12, 31, in John 14, 30, and in John 16, 11. He has nothing in me. He's the ruler of this world. He is judged. That happened at the cross. The whole world lies in the sway of the evil one. 1 John 5, 19. You were part of it. I used to be part of it. Black, there's different grades of black and darkness. It just depends how deep down the sewer you were. But the whole world is swayed by the wicked one. The whole world lies in that deception by virtue of the fallenness of man and by virtue of sin nature. John tells us that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. 1 John 4, 4. If you're a child of God, then you stand fast in the word. You put on the armor. You put on uh, the mind of Christ. And you do good war. For it's a winnable war. And having done all to stand, you end up standing because you're using the weapons that God gave you. Prayer, the Holy Spirit, and the word. And you stand fast. Now, Satan is used by God at times as the instrument of God. We've seen that through the book of Job. 
the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay your hand upon his person. God set the limitations in Job 1.12. Jesus is seated far above all principalities and powers and dominions, Ephesians 2.21 says. That's angels. Joseph declared they meant it for evil, but God turned it for good. Jesus gave permission to Judas to betray him. Satan entered him, John 13.37. Satan was used to move Pharaoh to plot the death of Christ, but it was God's plan. Jesus said to Peter, Satan wanted to sift you as we, but I pray for you that your faith fail not. In Luke 22, 31 through 33. Satan is used to discipline and chasten Christians at time. 1 Corinthians 5, 5 by God. Wow. But he's a defeated foe. Never forget that. He's a defeated foe. Jesus stripped him of all his authority at the cross. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. He destroyed him who had the power of death. Jesus was manifest to destroy the work of Satan. 1 John 3, 8 tells us. The grave could not hold Jesus. He destroyed death. Acts 2, 24. Satan was judged. I give you the three verses in John. He disarmed principality and powers. Made a public display publicly. In Colossians 2.15, he led captivity captive as he descended to lowest parts and led captivity captive, Ephesians 4, 7 through 10. 1 Peter 3, 19 through 21, he descended to lowest parts and he preached to the prisoners and took them to heaven. He will be cast out of heaven at the beginning of the tribulation, Revelation 12, 7 through 9. He will have no more access to heaven. Right now he has access. He's the accuser of the brethren but he will be cast out there. And so Jesus reveals his destiny. He will be defeated in his armies in the battle of Armageddon in Revelation 19, 11 through 21. He will be cast into the bottomless pit for a thousand years in Revelation 21 through 3 during the millennial. And then he will be cast in the lake of fire at the end of the thousand years in Revelation 20, verse 10 which, by the way, was made for Satan and his angels, Matthew 25, 41 said. The end of Satan and final defeat was written from the beginning. Do you understand that? Genesis 3:15 says, The seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. The seed of the woman would have a temporary wound, the heel, the bruise. The ultimate destruction of the authority of Satan was the blow to the head. So from the beginning of the promise of redemption, he tells you who wins. And who's in control. You don't have to read the last chapter to know the end. Just read the first book. And the first three chapters in particular. The fall of Lucifer was due to pride. Pride. The judgment of the king of Tyre is revealed here along with the fall of Lucifer. Described in these three events. The fall of the king of Tyre was due to pride. The origin of evil came through pride. And the fall of Lucifer was due to pride. Now, should we be careful of pride? (laughs) Are Christians exempt from pride? Oh, no. You got to put on the mind of Christ. 
you've got to walk humble. You've got to have a good perspective of who you are. Don't take yourself too seriously. Others might laugh. Oh, Lucifer, you deceiver. Pastor Xavier Reese and a strong warning against the sin of pride. And you can get your own copy of today's study, Oh, Lucifer, You Deceiver. As always, it's available on CD for only $4. And this will also include what we shared the last time we were together. So once again, the title to ask for is, Oh, Lucifer, You Deceiver. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800 926 1485. Again, that's 800 926 1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please help us by including the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. How dangerous is the sin of pride? That's our topic next time on Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 